following message is from North Place Church. For more information about North Place Church, visit northplacechurch.com. Over the last several weeks, I've felt strongly directed by the Lord to preach what I would call prophetic messages. And when I say prophetic, I'm not referring to foretelling the future. I'm not calling or talking about prophesying about upcoming events. There is a nature when you talk in some ways like and that Isaiah or Jeremiah did. It was a very concise, direct, pointed message that called for a response. And many of these messages over the last few weeks have been gentle rebukes that call us to repentance. Others, like last Sunday, have been messages of hope and encouragement that call us to trust God in the face of tragedy. Today, the message is going to be noticeably different. It's less prophetic and more pastoral. I have a shepherd's heart, a pastor's heart, and I feel directed to share a very practical pastoral message from God's Word. I feel as directed to share this as the prophetic messages in the preceding weeks. I want to talk to you about something that may seem off the wall today, but it has a point. I want to talk to you about the Sabbath. Over the last few months, our staff has been preparing to launch Saturday night services. And part of that preparation has been researching other churches that have started Saturday nights. And we've gathered a lot of information from those churches. We've had several of those churches that started Saturday nights and stopped it for one reason or another. And their information to us was, don't do it. It will destroy your family lives of your staff and your pastors, and it will wear out your volunteers. Of the several churches that we talked to who have launched and sustained a healthy Saturday night service and been able to keep balance between their families and the ministry on their staff and balance on their volunteer teams, the one key they kept telling us in order for this to be successful and sustainable and maintain a healthy balance is to understand the principle of the Sabbath. Now, those of you that have been with us a long time, you know us, you've been on a journey of maturation with us as a church, you know our motive for launching Saturday night service. But for those of you who haven't, let me announce it and make it clear. Our goal for starting Saturday night service is not to grow a big church. That's not our objective at all. Matter of fact, sometimes growing a big church can be a detriment to being a healthy church. And what we want to be more than anything is a healthy church. But let me say this, any living, healthy thing is going to grow. Growth is a byproduct of being healthy. But when you pursue growth instead of health, you wind up getting in danger. Our heart is for health. We want to be a healthy, functioning faith community. We know growth is a byproduct. But we're not seeking growth for growth's sake. Our ultimate goal in launching this additional service is to increase capacity. It's pretty tight in here this morning. We could keep throwing out more chairs, but all we're going to do is create parking problems. We're going to create more stress on the children's workers in the limited space they have in the background. By adding another service, we increase capacity in parking, children's area, and in this room as well. Another objective is to create movement. Our goal is that when people walk onto this platform or this this campus is that they experience Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but that's not the end. We desire to move them into healthy relationships with other believers where they grow. We grow in relationship. And from what we call community, those relationships, we move people into ministry, ministries of compassion in the church and outside the church. So Christ 
community, and compassion. Our goal is movement. We're not trying to build a bigger church. We're trying to build people who are moving in their relationship with Jesus Christ from showing up on Sunday to being involved in ministry. And I will tell you, Last Wednesday night when Haley and I attended the Newcomer Social, uh, we saw so many new families that were a part of the church. And this last night when I saw our launch team coming in to begin training for volunteer positions to launch next Saturday's service, there were several people as a part of that ministry team who had been in New Beginnings starting point class uh, months ago. They didn't know uh, Noah from, from Abraham. They didn't know where Genesis was from, from the book of Mark. And yet, here a few months later, now they are walking into a ministry role. They've gone from just beginning a relationship with Jesus to growing in relationship with other folks in their faith to now becoming involved in ministry. That's what this is about for us. It's about movement. It's also about seizing opportunity because we know there's a segment of people in our society who won't come to church on Sunday, who are not churched, who just might walk through the door on a Saturday night. But let me say this. Whether or not we can sustain Saturday night service is not an attendance issue. I've told you before, at North Place, we have a culture of try. That means we're willing to try and fail that we might succeed sooner. If we try Saturday nights, we can't sustain a healthy balance, and we don't do it again, we'll at least try, and we'll go back to what we were always doing, and we will become the size church that we need to be to be healthy. If we can't be any larger and be healthy, we're not going to be any larger, we're going to be healthy. What we're asking for is that God would give us the grace to continue to expand His kingdom and maintain health at the same time, health in our family, health with our staff, our volunteers stay healthy in the process. One of the keys to doing that is understanding the law of the Sabbath. I have a meeting at 6.30 tonight with our staff to have a very intimate conversation. If they're going to be expected to be Saturday and Sunday to be work days, how do you take a Sabbath? What does that look like? How do we serve God in ministry and our kids not get bitter and make it to heaven because that is the most important mission field I serve, the three children that God gave me, and I want them to make it to heaven with me and my family, not become bitter because dad's at the church all the time. We've got to create balance. We want to have that conversation with our staff. If Saturday and Sunday is going to be a work day now so that we can expand the kingdom, what does that look like for us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? We're going to talk about that tonight to try to begin embodying the honor of the Sabbath as a staff, and I'm asking God to help make this law an important principle in the culture of our church. The issue on whether Saturday nights work for North Place or not won't be attendance. Um, It won't be an attendance issue. It's proven people in the Dallas area will go to church on Saturday night. Ultimately, it will be a health issue, whether or not we have the capacity and the grace to stay healthy in the process. If we don't, we'll call it. In a year from now, when we begin to evaluate, if we can maintain a healthy balance, we will keep on going. And I think this pastoral conversation about honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy is going to be key in every area of our life, but in this conversation about launching more services. I want you to listen to what God says about the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. But before we start reading a very well-known passage from the Ten Commandments, I want to reframe what some of you think about the Ten Commandments. There are a lot of people who think that the Ten Commandments are ten rules that God gave us to keep us from really enjoying life. A lot of people think that God established these boundaries in the Ten Commandments to restrict our personal freedom. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Pastor and author Ron Meal calls the Ten Commandments 
the tender commandments because they weren't given by a cosmic killjoy trying to restrict personal freedom and to keep us from enjoying life. They were given by a father who knows us better than we know ourselves. It's as if when God gave us the Ten Commandments, he was saying, I created you. I know you better than you know yourself. And I know that if you live within these boundaries, your life is going to be happier, healthier, and more fulfilling. I don't offer these ten laws to keep you in line. I offer them as ten guidelines to free you to live the life that you were created to live. If you start looking at the Ten Commandments and notice the fourth commandment is the law of the Sabbath. It is the, tenth, uh, the, commandment, the fourth commandment is on honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. If you watch where it comes after, it comes after three commandments, the first, second, and third, all deal with how we relate to God. You'll have no other gods before you, make no graven image, have no idols, and don't take the Lord's name in vain. All three of those commandments are prioritized at the top because they have to do with how you relate to God. The fourth commandment is about the Sabbath. It ought to say something to you that in God's top 10 list, if he's first three, we're going to be how you relate to him. And the fourth one is about how you relate to the Sabbath. It speaks to the priority list. Also, if you look, the fourth commandment, the commandment about the Sabbath is the longest of any commandment. It's as if God is not suggesting these things to us. He's talking to us about why this commandment is here and how important it is. Let's look at it together. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord our God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals or any other foreigner residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Growing up in church, every time I heard a preacher preaching on the Sabbath, it was usually because he was mad at some people who had been skipping church and he caught them all there on the same Sunday and decided to unload on the Sabbath and keeping it holy and about honoring the house of God and forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. While there's truth to honoring the Sabbath for those reasons, the Sabbath concept is so much more. And I'm going to go out on a limb today and say the level to which you honor the Sabbath in your life will go a long way in determining your physical health, your business success, your emotional and spiritual well-being in life. We live in a workaholic culture. I mean, think about it. Do you ever get tired of thinking what you still have to do when you look at your to-do list? Do you ever find yourself as fatigued going back to work on Monday morning as you were when you got off on Friday afternoon? Do you bring your work home with you and have to use the weekend to try to catch up on all the unfinished business? Do you ever feel guilty when you stop to relax? Today, I want us to talk about what God says about rest and recreation. And I put the emphasis on the prefix, recreation, because a lot of the things that we do as recreation are not really recreation. Can recreation be recreation? Absolutely. But God has a lot to say about the Sabbath rest and a Sabbath recreation. The fourth commandment is about following God and the guidelines the Creator has established for our lives so that we get the proper amounts of rest and recreation. It's interesting to me that God has, to say, has more to say about taking a day off than he does about murder and adultery. 
It's the longest of all the commandments. It's as if he's saying, this is not a suggestion. I'm commanding you to get rest and recreation on a weekly basis. But it's more than just taking a day off. People take a day off all the time and are not honoring the Sabbath in the process. So how do you honor the Sabbath? How do you keep it holy? The word Sabbath literally means a day of rest. And in Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 2, Jesus is having a conversation about the Sabbath with some religious Jews. And this is what he said. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. I want you to get that. The Sabbath, God created the Sabbath for your benefit. The Sabbath was made for man. The purpose of the Sabbath was to prevent emotional, physical, and spiritual burnout. God said, sometime during the next seven days, on one of those seven days, there needs to be a moment where you rest your body, a moment where you recharge your emotions, and a moment where you refocus on your spirit to avoid physical, emotional, and spiritual burnout. The Sabbath is the antidote to our culture's burnout. It's the prevention against the stress-filled lives that we live. So the next question is, when is it? Is the Sabbath on Friday? Is it on Saturday? When is it? Is it on Sunday? And I'm going to shock some of you here today and tell you it doesn't matter. The answer is once a week. God doesn't care when you honor the Sabbath as long as you honor the Sabbath once a week. The world's three major religions celebrate a Sabbath. Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Muslims celebrate the Sabbath on Friday. Jews celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday. Most Christians celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday. But not one place in the Bible does God command us to worship Him on Sunday. Then the question would be, then why are we here today? Because the new, in the New Testament, the early Christians took the Jewish Sabbath, which was on Saturday, and started celebrating the Sabbath on Sunday in honor of the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so traditionally, the Christian church has honored the Sabbath on Sunday. Now, I want us to go back to the conversation about the Sabbath in Mark's gospel, Mark 2. Jesus is having a conversation with some religious Jews. And in their mind, in their legalistic understanding of the Sabbath, Jesus has violated their principles and and done something on the Sabbath that in their minds does not honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And so they rebuked him. And in response to their rebuke, Jesus answered them, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Jesus was saying that the Sabbath was not to be a burden which men had to conform to, but the Sabbath was to be a delight which men could enjoy. The legalism of the Jews had turned the Sabbath into an unbearable burden. But I want you to notice the second thing Jesus said in that conversation in Mark 2. It was probably more shocking than the first. He said this, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He declared his sovereignty over all of their rules. He declared his sovereignty even over the Sabbath. Now, if you want more clarity on this issue about when the Sabbath is, listen to two conversations that Paul has. He has one conversation with the Colossians. He has another conversation with the believers in Rome. Listen as he writes to the Colossians in Colossians 2.16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. There's a similar tone when Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 14, verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. 
another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains completely does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So some of you have a preference in this room for church on Sundays. Some have no preference and are going to come showing on Saturday night. I've even had some people say when we started talking about Saturday night, there's no way in the world I could go to church on Saturday because Sunday is the Sabbath. That's a preference and that's fine, but there's no reason worship on Sunday is more sacred than worship on Saturday night. The issue is when you choose your Sabbath, how are you going to make that day holy? The reality is Every day is God's day. He created every day. And so it would be easy then to say, well, if every day is God's day, then every day is going to be my Sabbath. Well, the reason that doesn't work is because if we've got a job over here and we say, this job is everybody's job, what happens if this job becomes everybody's job? Nobody's going to do it. If there's not a priority given to this job, if it's not set apart, if it's not unique, it's not going to get done. So God says, pick a day and make that day holy. Set it aside, make it unique. You need to rest your body, recharge your emotions, and refocus on your spirit. So how do you keep it holy? You keep it holy, number one, by resting your body. God is the amazing example in this whole process. When he created the world, he created it in six days and he rested on the seventh. Do you think God rested on the seventh day because he was exhausted? I don't believe that. I think God rested on the seventh day because he was modeling for us a principle, a healthy way for us to live our lives. His message in the creation process is plain and simple. If creation didn't crash when I rested, it won't crash when you do. See, some of us think we're the general manager of the universe. And we think if we take a day off or we don't go into the office or we chill out and take a break this weekend, then the whole world's going to come crashing down. One of the reasons is we are immature, we are insecure, or we have an overinflated sense of self-importance or all the above. And God was saying, if I can do all this in six days and rest on the seventh and the whole creation not crash, it's not going to crash when you take a Sabbath. If you look at the life of Jesus, he took Sabbaths, he was always getting away to a quiet place by himself. He always was intentional about creating time to rest his body, uh, recharge his emotions, and refocus on his spirit. And what's amazing about that is we, Francis Chan said it best. Listen to what Francis Chan said. We think he's a great savior, but not a great role model. The American church has abandoned the most simple and obvious truth of what it means to follow Jesus. You actually follow his pattern of life. We can model getting away by ourselves, honoring the Sabbath by resting. And so let me just announce it today. Now you have a theologically approved reason to take a nap this afternoon. Your Sunday afternoon nap is highly biblical and very theological. Rest your body. Inc. Magazine uh, conducted a survey, and in that survey, 62% of the people in America said, I have burned out or I am on the way to burn out. If you're burning the candle at both ends, it's inevitably going to catch up with you. You're going to burn out. The fire is going to get snuffed out. Some of us find our self-worth in being busy, but not only are we killing ourselves physically, we're losing our passion while we pursue it because it's killing us. 
God says you need to rest. Don't be consumed by your career. There are a lot of things that draw you to your work. More money, more recognition, more promotion, a greater sense of fulfillment, achievement, and accomplishment. There are a lot of powerful forces and lures in our life that push us to work more. We can become addicted to all of those things, but our bodies were not built for nonstop work. The wisdom writer said in Ecclesiastes 10.15, the toil of fools wearies them. They do not even know the way to town. They have lost their way because they have been so focused on their work. Whatever you do for a living, you need to stop it one day. Don't bring it home. Disconnect and rest. We have this idea that we'll get more done if we just keep on driving. We're going to outwork the next guy, get up earlier, go to bed later. But what we're actually doing is putting a kink in the system that throws our whole life out of kilter. Efficiency experts now say that they have scientifically discovered that reasonably spaced periods of rest increase more productivity over the person who works continually and constantly. And when I read that, I said, wow, they finally got a revelation and science has finally discovered what God has been telling us for thousands of years. You were created to need a Sabbath. And your life is more fulfilled, more happy. You're going to live longer when you honor the principle for which you were created. He created it to serve you. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for the man. It is to your benefit. The old Indian proverb says this, you break the bow if it's always bent. The first principle, the first thing you need to do on the Sabbath is to rest your body. Listen to, listen to the Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm in a way you may have never heard it before. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Makes me. How many of you, you don't have to show by hands, but you've been in a season in your life where God made you lie down in a green pasture. I can't tell you how many bedsides I've stood beside in a hospital where able-bodied men and women had literally worked themselves to a state of exhaustion. And as I sat there with them or talked to them in a hospital or one of our pastoral care team members did, they said to us, I've not really honored the Sabbath. I haven't taken care of the temple, this gift of my body. And God had to get my attention. I hadn't heard him speak in a long time. I haven't connected with him in a long time. And laying here in this hospital bed, he's finally got my attention. I can't go on living the way I'm living. Listen, you don't break the law of God. Eventually, the law of God will break you. You were not created. It's kind of like somebody who doesn't take care of their car maintenance. Can you get away with not changing the oil in your car the way the the maintenance book recommends? Absolutely. But there's going to be wear and tear on that engine that will slowly over time begin to erode the integrity of that engine. And before long, it'll wear out a whole lot earlier than it was supposed to. The same is true for your life. Can you cheat the Sabbath? Sure. Can you cheat the Sabbath for a period of time and, and, and never show any signs? Absolutely. But slowly but surely, there is an erosion uh, that that compromises the integrity of your physical well-being, your emotional well-being, and your spiritual well-being, and it's so slow and it takes so long that by the time the surface all comes to the top, you've got all these other symptoms you're blaming, and it all goes all the way back to the day that you stopped keeping the Sabbath and making it holy, and it led to a whole lot of other issues in your life. 
because God loves you, he will eventually make you lie down in green pastures. And that 10 weeks in the hospital is going to give your body time to recoup on the 10 weeks worth of Sabbaths that you've been avoiding over the last several years. Jesus took a Sabbath every week and took other times during the his life for solitude and quietness to get away with God. He came away. He spent time with him. In the process of those things, he had the most effective three and a half years of public ministry of anybody on earth. I believe there's a principle here. When you honor God's law, the Bible says the law of God is life. When you honor God's law, there is an increase, blessing and favor that comes upon your life. I think the Bible teaches it. When you walk in obedience to God in the area of giving and tithing and those kinds of things, there is a promise associated with that, a blessing, a favor from God that comes with that. It's, it's, it's a part of the principle of God's word. Honoring the Sabbath is a part of those principles. And if we could ever get to the point we understood what it meant to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, I think we would learn something about productivity, that God would let there be a favor and grace upon the areas of our life where we are working because we understood the principle in which he told us to live. He will make our hands produce more within the time frame that he has given us than when we try to do it all our way, our time, and dishonor the Sabbath. Look, for example, let Chick-fil-A be a guide for you. Yes, when I leave here some Sundays, I have this craving and I go by there and they're closed. You know, and I'm like, oh, you know, all right, I forgot. They honor the Sabbath, you know. Uh, uh, but, but look at their books. They make more money in six days than every other chicken business does in seven days. Why? Because when you honor God's principles, there is a favor and increase upon you that will allow you to do more than others can do in seven days because God blesses those who honor his word. And I think there is a favor and increase that comes to our life when our lives are in alignment to God's priorities. You and I need to resign as the general managers of the universe and realize when we take a break, it's not going to fall apart. If we are reluctant to honor the Sabbath, it's because we are immature and we are insecure. Because when you are immature, you don't like to rest, okay? Um, do, do your kids like uh, going to bed? Those of you that have little ones, they like going to bed? I mean, mine are older now. It's still hard for me to get them to go to bed. They want to stay up. And, but especially when, when they're little, I mean, four-year-olds don't really like going to take naps, they don't like going to bed at night, but for all of our sakes, we knew, Haley and I knew this when ours were little, even when they didn't want, I mean, we try to put them to bed and they were like, I got to go to the bathroom. I thought you told me you didn't have to go to the bathroom just a minute ago, but when it's bedtime, they got to go to the bathroom or all of a sudden about the time you think they're about to fall asleep, I'm thirsty. And so you start all this all over again. They get good and awake uh, because they're, it's always something they don't, they don't want to go to bed, but we make them go to bed lovingly, forcibly. We make them go to bed. Because for their sake and our sake and everybody that was going to interact with us the next day, it was the benefit of everybody that those kids get a good night's sleep. Because if they didn't, we paid for it, they paid for it. Anybody that interacted with us the next day, everybody paid for it. Okay? You do it because you love them. Sometimes, because he loves us, God has to make us lie down in green pastures. And you say, but, God, but Pastor, I, I got to get all of this done. But God says, I care about you, your family, your well-being, and your health more than I care about the deadline that you think you have to get done. It's not 
when you honor the Sabbath, resting your body is not all you do. It's a part of what you do. Because most of us in this room are not as physically tired as we are emotionally exhausted. The world that we live in puts a different kind of stress on us than it has in previous generations. That's why we need to listen to what the Word says about honoring the Sabbath by recharging our emotions. We need to rest our bodies, but we also need to recharge our emotions. How do you do that? Make space on the day you set aside as your Sabbath for quietness. Psalm 23.3, He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Being quiet before the Lord and the restoration of your emotional well-being go hand in hand. You need to schedule quiet moments in your life on your Sabbath day. This is what I learned from my friend Mark Batterson. He said this, it's got into my spirit, it's become a practice of my life. Revelation happens in the margin. Mark says that all the time. I wrote that down, never really thought about it until I was reading a book and I had an aha moment reading a book and I wrote the aha moment in the margin of the book. I do that when I'm taking notes. I write the aha moment in the margins of paper. Margins is where the revelation happens. If we don't create margin in our life, there will be no room for God to speak to us. There will be no opportunity to shut out the noise of the world and hear what God has to say. And some of our emotions are running on empty because it's been so long since we've heard the voice of God. I mean, he doesn't just want to speak to you through the pastor. He doesn't want to just speak to you through... He wants to speak to you. He wants, to, he wants you to feel his presence near. And if you don't create margin in your life, there are no moments for revelation. Revelation when you're in the Word, revelation when you're in prayer, happens when there is margin in your life. But most of us don't have enough margin in our life. God created the Sabbath in order for us to have intentional, quiet times for margin in our lives. In America, we hate to wait. I mean, we hate, we hate waiting at red lights. We literally, I mean, this, this is what we do. We're in rush hour traffic on our way home, and when we're coming up to a three-lane traffic stop, we're looking at the cars in front of us to figure out which lane is going to take off first. And a mile before we get to the red light, we start shifting lanes to get in the lanes that are going to take off first because we're going to make it home 15 seconds sooner because we hate to wait. We drive up to a red light. We see a semi on the right lane that we're in. We'll cause a 50-car collision trying to get into the left lane because there's a minivan in this side, and we know mama soccer mom is going to take off quicker than the 18-wheeler, all right? And so we're shifting lanes to save ourselves 15 seconds because we hate to wait. But let me make an announcement for you. Just think about it. There's coming a day when you won't have to wait at red lights anymore. One day you're going to die and they're going to put you in a funeral procession and they're going to let you clear every light on your way to the cemetery. They're even going to send an escort in front of you to block the traffic on the way. You spend your entire life waiting on red lights, and once you die, you're going to get to go through every one of them. And the irony is, when you're dead, it doesn't even matter if you're late. But that's the only time we get an escort to go through every red light. We hate to wait. But there's something that happens to our emotions when we learn to declutter, shut out the noise, let him through quietness, restore your soul. In Mark 6, 
disciples had become so overworked with doing good things, Jesus said, come away with me to a quiet place. Mark 6, 31. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat, the disciples. So he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. What Jesus is saying is, if you don't come apart, you're going to come apart. If you don't find a place to restore your soul, rejuvenate your emotions, you're going to come apart. Quiet time. Include time for your family. Include time for fellowship. In those moments of, 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 of the way you honor the Sabbath and you recharge emotionally, you got to find quiet time. you got to learn how to enjoy your family. Some of us, we think if we're enjoying our family, that cannot be a spiritual thing. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9, God says, Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. He designed you to enjoy the relationships that are most important to you, and he wants those relationships to be a priority to you on the Sabbath. There's also should be a time of fellowship where you connect with people of faith. That's why we come together on the Sabbath and worship, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, whatever day you pick. That's why we come together because there's something supernatural that happens when we sing together, when we learn together, when we fellowship together. Supernatural things happen that cannot happen in any other environment than when God's people are gathered together on a day they've set aside to honor him. Rest your body. Recharge your emotions. And finally today, you need to learn how to, on your Sabbath, the way you honor it, refocus your spirit. Psalm 56, 6 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. If the Sabbath is anything, it is preeminently a day where we worship God. Yes, rest your body. Yes, recharge your emotions. But there are a lot of people out there who are resting their bodies on the Sabbath, who are recharging their emotions on the Sabbath, who are not honoring it and keeping it holy because they forget about their spiritual tanks. Their spiritual tanks are running empty because they forget the most important key ingredient of how to truly honor the Sabbath, and that is by putting God in his proper place and priority in our life with meaningful, heartfelt worship. America has turned Sunday into fun day, taken a holy day and turned it into a holiday. Most people don't worship God on Sunday. Most people, a lot of people, especially in our area, they worship the sun on Sunday. They go down to the lake for their ceremonial baptisms and anoint their body with oil and lay prostrate before the sun God on Sunday. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay if you want to go do that this afternoon. But somewhere on the day that you set aside to make holy unto the Lord, make sure that Sabbath is held for what it's intended for and make it a day of worship for your family. If all we ever do is work and play and play and work, we're going to think that's all there is to life. But life is so much more than work and play. Mark 8 says this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So let me ask you a question today that God's probably going to ask every one of us at the end of our life. What am I exchanging for my life? What am I giving my life for? How did I spend the last 168 hours of my life? The Sabbath is a moment of worship, 
but it's also a moment for me to stop and re-examine my priorities, to reevaluate, regroup, relax, tune into God, listen to Him, for us to get our perspectives right and get our priorities rebalanced as we refocus on Him, to look back at the last week, to prioritize the next week. Refocus your spirit. If there's anything I've seen so many of us as young families, what we need, we need rest. The writer of Hebrews says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And that supernatural rest is in a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, he said. My yoke is my way of doing things. And I'm going to free you. I'm not going to hold you under these legalistic patterns of these religious leaders over here. I want to free you. This law of the Sabbath was given for you, for your benefit, to be more full of joy, health, happiness, live longer. If you honor it, there's a blessing that comes along with it because the law of God is life. I'm going to ask you to do something with me over the next seven days. In just a moment, when we stand, the prayer team is going to come to serve you. But when we leave here today, I want you to do so. I want you to pray with me about the next seven days. Next Sunday, it won't be as crowded in here at 11 as it is today. You'll have more room because some of this room will be in Saturday night and we're going to spread it out. But I really want you to come back to church with somebody next weekend who's who's been in church in the past, but for one reason or another, disconnected. I just want to re-examine the heart of God for those prodigals. And they're going to hear a message of grace and love and mercy and restoration. My prayer is at the end of our time together next Sunday, that there will be people who would be courageous enough to say, I need to recommit my life to Jesus. And they'll be standing here in the front of this building renewing a relationship that is going to bring joy, happiness, and peace into their life. So come, pray, bring. Come prepare to give to make that story of grace available to children all over the world on a digital platform. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will, all over this place. And prayer team, if you would, would you come and make yourself available for prayer today? Now, this is what I know. If you've been with us the last several weeks, I've preached very strong messages that you could feel emotionally. I mean, they were on my heart. They were heavy. They demanded a response, and our altars have been full every week with people praying. Today is very different. It's very practical. It's very pastoral. But I think it's important for us to have this conversation so that we can sustain health. And so I'm just encouraging you today, if you need a Uh, somebody to join you in prayer over anything in your life, even though the message wasn't like a clear call for a certain thing. I know that we built a culture of prayer here at North Place to where some of you come to church thinking, we can just get through the service. I can come have one of these people pray with me about this issue in my life. They're here. They're available. They met early before the service today to get themselves ready to minister to you in your need whether it's a crisis or whatever need it may be, whether it's a desire to take a step of faith and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, whatever the need is in your life. Let me remind you of something before I pray. I pray a blessing over you every Sunday. At the end of that message, I pray, the last words I say in that blessing, when I stretch my hands to you as a pastor, I say, and give them peace. 
That's from the Aaronic blessing from the book of the, in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. And give them peace. I know what I'm praying when I ask for that, but most of us don't understand what that means. Word peace in the Hebrew is shalom. It means completeness. It means wholeness. It means rest. The Sabbath is in that shalom. And every Sunday when I pray, and God give them peace, I'm praying for a Sabbath rest for you. I'm praying for God's shalom to come to your relationships, to come to your finances, to come to your physical health. And when we begin to make the conscious decision to align our life under the law of God, we make it easier for those things to happen. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. I'm going to pray that blessing over you again today like I do every Sunday. And as I pray it, if you need to need prayer on the altar, please come. We're available to serve you. Father, will you bless them and keep them? Will you make your face shine down upon them? Will you be gracious to them? Will you turn your countenance their direction? And would you give them peace? Help us to become a culture who honors the Sabbath and sees our productivity increase. Our relationships become more intimate. Our worship become more powerful. Our health become better because we take you at your word. Your law is life. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. These altars are open. God bless you. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this message from North Place Church. Feel free to duplicate or to share this message. For more information about North Place Church, visit northplacechurch.com.